Welcome to Life in the Music Business, a masterclass with Professor Pooch and your host, Bassface. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Life in the Music Business with Professor Pooch. Here at Life in the Music Business, we're all about self-empowerment for the music business entrepreneurs. How are you doing tonight, Pooch? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, typical, you know, nutty day and uh, dealing with some crazies also on social media. Uh, just, I have to block people after a while. They're just nuts. Oh, man, that's not good. Yeah, it's just a, they're a pain, you know, and yeah. they try to be helpful, but they're always yelling, screaming and cursing and, and stuff at other people. And I don't need to hear that stuff, man, you know. Yeah, it's better <clears throat> You you can you have plenty of business, you know. You don't need you don't need to. I don't, I don't need those type of people who drive me crazy. Yeah, that's how I am too. With when it comes to my business, I mean, when I have people that come in that are like that, they a lot of people sometimes they give me a hard time. But either I can get past it, or if it's just like that all the time, I just rather not deal with them because they're always trying to nickel and dime me and that type of stuff. And it's I know what I'm worth, you know. Yeah, believe me, I understand, and it's just crazy. All right. Uh, tonight, I thought we'd uh, go more into about artist management. And the thing that hit me is that we had talked about uh, one of our early shows about managers and choosing an artist. And we had a list. We went through a list of what a manager would look like, you know, look for in an artist. Well, this time, why don't we think of an artist and what they're going to look for in a manager? Now, first of all, a lot of people get certain things wrong. First of all, a lot of people say, hey, Pooch, you know, a manager, I want them to get me some gigs. Now, what's happening here is they're mixing up manager and agent. And an agent is somebody who gets you gigs. A manager guides your career. It's actually illegal in New York and California, right there, which states you want to be working in and stuff like that, it's illegal for them to be both. And by the way, the interesting thing about an agent is it's the only role in the music industry where you have to have a license, a business license. It's actually an employment agency license, and uh, you have to have it. A lot of agents, it gets really crazy where they switch over and try to be both. But I've actually, you know, I've seen in the in the internet and the papers and stuff that I know are true, I can usually tell, where a person was able to get out of a manager's contract by, he booked me, and they got out of the contract because you're not allowed to do it, especially if it's under New York or California law. In most states, it's obvious that the manager in the beginning is going to help his artist get a couple small gigs here and there to get the show tight and stuff like that. Oh, that's one of the things that used to get me is that artists, oh, that's too small. I don't want to play, play a place like that. I, I want the big, you know, rooms and da 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 And if you've been watching carefully, you'll notice that all of a sudden, like, the Rolling Stones, before they're going to go on tour, show up at a little club to do something. And mm. I'll tell you why. Mm. Springsteen, a lot of them, 
They'll just show up at a club and take over the club. And because, folks, you should want to do small gigs first to get your show tight. Then when the show's tight, then you want to get a bigger thing. You don't want to experiment on a large stage with a lot of people. And it's going to be hard for you to get gigs unless, you know, you have your show together anyhow. And we get into all that kinds of stuff. But that's important. Um, and I wanted to make it very clear the difference between an agent and a manager. Also, the other thing from a side note is nowadays, well, it's actually been, I remember since the early 2000s, that a lot of managers are managing producers over artists. Wow, yeah, I've seen that a lot recently as well. Let me ask you a question, Baseface. Sure. Let's say you're a producer, which you sure. are. What would you want a manager to do for you? One, I mean, from the beginning, I would want that manager to have industry connections because I can't just have anybody managing me. Um, but what I would be looking for is for them to be like reaching out and, and creating opportunities and and basically being my hype man in a way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one thing, uh, you know. First of all, if you ever see a manager's contract, it says guide, counsel, and advise. And the funny part is if I'm doing a contract for somebody, artist manager, and somebody else is a producer manager, it's basically just changing from one to the other from, you know, artist to producer, because there's a lot of producers that are also artists and a lot of artists that are producers. I mean, and a manager's, if you ever read a, a typical manager's contract, you'll see that they guide a person in every, oh God, I have a large paragraph that covers a lot of stuff in my contracts where they cover your everything. I mean, acting and, and all your, any companies you might start, uh, entertainment related that is, and your, your image, your likeness, your songwriting, your script writing, if you write a book, you know, it covers everything unless you take it out somehow. One thing I've noticed, one of the major problems is um, a lot of people, you know, it's funny because most creative people do multiple things. And I know different artists that were at one time models. But if you look at their contract, it'll say with models, someplace in there will be about, and we have mentioned this before, but it's important that about look for the word performances because that modeling thing is gonna make it impossible for this person to sign with the regular artist manager because the performing end is already covered by somebody. And it's as how far as they're gonna reach with it and kinds of stuff like that. Okay, so let's look at, um, all right. And by the way, we, another thing, you know what I, I've run into different producers like managers for, they just don't wanna handle the business. You know, the business end of being a producer. They just don't want to handle, you know, you handle that. I've seen songwriters too have yeah. managers just to handle all that stuff. And everybody needs a bad guy. I mean, you know, I, I'm a bad guy for a lot of people, mostly from the legal kind of an end of representing them. But when I'm doing creative stuff, somebody else has got to be my bad guy and things like that. It's, you know, really important. All right, so let's look at it from the artist's standpoint of view. If, well, first of all, 
let me talk a little history in the music industry. Ever since the 1990s, I'll say, onwards, heavily starting in the 1990s, uh, the managers and, and well-known managers better, uh, well-known producers, attorneys, anyone the record company is going to listen to. And, but the problem nowadays to shoot forward, if you want a really top, you know, a really top manager, they're not going to touch you until you've already made it. They're really top the super managers. See, starting around 2004, 2005, I think I mentioned this before, but Universal, I think, was the first that I noticed. Uh, they wanted you to have a super manager or they wouldn't handle you as an artist because the record companies <laughs> wanted to push the work off onto the manager. And these super managers have all these contacts and everything like that. Yeah, the record company would do certain kinds of promotion and hire independent promoters and things like that. But they wanted the manager to handle a lot of that kinds of stuff. So let's say you're an artist. Well, first of all, let's look at when you don't need a manager. A lot of people just want people to manage them and stuff. First of all, if you're just doing cover songs, a cover song band or something like that, if you want gigs and stuff, you want an agent. Uh, things like that, you, you do it yourself. And by the way, artists, very important. You'll notice on my three-step program on professorpooch.com, top right-hand corner, it says free library, first article, top right. It says, before you ever sign anything with anyone, read this stuff. Because you don't want a manager to come in and all of a sudden, somehow, they're in charge. They own everything. You want to own your own publishing company, own your own record company, and work, you know, with the manager under that umbrella. You know what I mean? Yeah, so make the most sense. Because then if the man, if the manager were to come in and they say they set up everything for you and you weren't really aware of what was going on, they could <laughs> sign everything over to their company and then now they own everything that you do and uh, that's, where, that's where it can get a little iffy, I feel. You bring up a very important point. And like I always say, there's two things that are never in any management contract. One, can you trust them? <laughs> Because they're handling your money. And the second is, can, can they advance your career? Not do they want to, can they? Uh, but let's go back to the first one. That power of attorney. You'll see a power of attorney. You'll see POA, power of attorney, in every manager's contract. It gives them the right to represent you. And that's very important. You do want the manager to represent you, but... You don't want them making legal decisions for you and signing everything for you. I've worked with some very legitimate managers. You know, the make sure the artist and their attorney see everything's coming in and stuff like that. You've got to limit the power of attorney clause so that they can't just take over and you don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had some people in my life that I tried to bring into my situation and it kind of turned into that where it was like 
they started doing things behind my back and weren't telling me because they thought that they knew what was best for me, but the nobody knows what's best for me more than myself. You know, this is, this is my career and my, everything that I do, I own. So I take that very seriously. Well, that's a very important point. It brings up right away, which you'll see in every manager's contract. It'll say, artists must tell me everything they're up to, everybody they meet. They've got to all turn the people over. Wait a minute. It's got to be two ways. If the communication is in two ways, we've got a problem. Because how would you like it if the artist had to tell the manager everything, but the manager doesn't have to tell the artist everything? It's got to be two ways. The manager, for example, could look for a deal that was good for them and not for, you know, good for the artist. It should They should be looking out for the artist in artist's best interest, not the manager's best interest. Yeah, that communication, by the way, in any kind of project with anybody, communication is what is killed. More projects, bands, everything, either miscommunication, non-communication, late communication, in, you know, wrong communication, whatever. It's got everything's the communication is so important. It, it's got to be there. And I always put as soon as manager or artist receive any information regarding artist uh, career, they have to notify each other. And that solves that. That's one of the main things that I will always make sure is in every contract. First of all, some of them don't have any kind of communication clauses, which is stupid. Yeah. You know, you, you got to know what's going on. I mean, uh, yeah. music is, go ahead. I was going to say, because, yeah, some people really, like, when you're dealing with contract work, people think sometimes that it's just, like, something that is held uh, against them lightly. But a lot of people really, really will, they'll tell you one thing, and then in the contract is another. So when you do have a conflict with that person, they'll say, oh, well, you already signed the contract. And you're going to sit there like, oh, uh, you're not going to know what to do because that person is right. If you had uh, like consoled a, a consulted a, a professional, then you would have been able to say, hey, this is missing. That's missing because the person would have been telling you as opposed to just signing something and not knowing what you're signing and just going out blindly. That's not the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times in a contract, you see the word supersede s-u-p-e-r-s-e-d-e and what it means is and they'll say something like this contract supersedes anything oral or in written oral or written between the two parties the artist and the manager before this contract so it doesn't matter that they promise you this and promise you that if they don't you know if it's not in the contract you can forget about it you know they're not beholden to you they're not going to always use the word supersede they're going to say takes the place of or is the only thing that counts is you know they can word it different ways stuff like that but yeah that's super important uh but which reminds me there are the different kind look managers are people and there's different kind of managers but let's look at the three different types I think we talked the last episode with producers and it fits with managers and it fits with anybody. It's, it's either, let's say your manager in this case, you'll find managers on one side will say, you're going to do what I tell you to do or that's it. 
180 degrees where the manager says to the artist, hey, what do you want to do? <laughs> My thing is, folks, it's got to be in the middle. It's a team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, two minds are better than one. Yeah, It's yeah. a team. And the manager's there to really guide you through your career. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen on a daily basis that people really don't account for until they run into it. And they're like, gee, I wish I knew that beforehand. So the manager is can be play a, an important role, but you really only need a manager when you have something to manage. You know what I mean? If you can, <laughs> if you can manage it yourself, then, you know, you're well, fine it, for now. But Nowadays, especially, it didn't, years ago, there was a different story, but nowadays, First of all, a really top manager is not going to want to manage you unless you already show that your business up and running, that you're making some hot, you know, headway on your own. You're not going to be somebody who just sits back and make, you know, and says to the manager, "Make me a star" or something like that, you know. But uh, it it should be teamwork. I but do understand something. Managers are people, like I said. Some managers are, oh, oh, hey, 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 and some are very laid back. Well, there's some very laid back managers who can take you farther. You know, it's you can't deal with personalities and personalities. The point is, are they going to get the job done? Yeah, and I think that the the biggest emphasis right there is that the drive and determination to to and persistence really to get the job done is the most important because i know a lot of people that have half as much talent as me but are are doing amazing things in their career because they were persistent and they were doing it for 10 plus years you know yeah and it does take some time sometimes i'm sorry it's just yeah, everybody, everybody's different so don't get discouraged if it's not it's not uh, everything that you want and hope and dream of isn't coming to fruition within the first six months because <laughs> I mean like even the Beatles like we talked about the last show seven like, years <laughs> till they were known, known exactly yeah. and they got turned down by every single label you know but right. if you didn't love what you were doing and, and weren't passionate about it then you would give up easily like if most, I was to pick up something groups, that I didn't like most groups would have split by then. You know, you, you can't expect things overnight unless you're a super group of top people. And then sometimes there you could have problems. But uh, yeah, exactly. But just realize managers are people too, and you need the right person. By the way, the reason this whole subject came up lately, for two reasons. One, a lot of managers have been coming to me. Now, to backtrack a little, a lot of artists say, hey, Pooch, will you manage me? No, it's a conflict. I don't manage anybody, but I'll guide the artist, I'll guide the manager, I'll guide the producer, I'll guide the production indie label. I, I'll guide anybody in the music industry. I don't care what the role is, but I'm not going to manage anybody. I don't want to be part of the business. Uh, what I become is part of a team. And we work together and you have to put together a good team. To, like the only things that I don't do, like I'm not a technical person, for example. And I'm not going to be the manager. I'll guide them and things like that. But let's talk about the managers. And I was going to bring up something with this right now with, and I totally forget what it is, but we'll just keep going or it'll come around again as it usually does. Mm -hmm. folks, always, just, <laughs> folks, you notice something, even though I'm saying we're the artist looking for a manager, but I'm bringing in things about managers with the artist. You got to know both directions if you look at 
I have a book called Artist Development and Management. All my books are like that. I look at both sides. Now, taking the artist development and management book, the first week, it's the artist looking for a manager. The second week is the artist and manager coming to some kind of legal agreement. The third a week, well, when I say week section, is that when I taught at the Art Institute, there were in weeks. <laughs> the third section is when what a manager looks like looks for in an artist, which we covered on an earlier show. And after that, it's the artist and or manager going towards success. At that point, they're together. They're working together at that point, going towards success. And uh, I believe you got to know both sides. The artist should want to know what the manager is supposed to be doing. And the manager needs, needs to know what the artist is doing. And by the way, it's something else about a contract, especially like in a manager's contract. If either side is not doing their job, you're going nowhere. It could be the artist, it could be the manager, you both have to work together. What brought this whole subject matter up to me today is that, you know, everybody's looking for a manager and stuff, and no, I'm not, you know, kind of a thing. But I've been working with a couple of managers lately, and uh, there's certain things in managing, you know, I've actually run into a couple of managers that I actually think are doing the job very well. And one's an older person who's just been in it all his career and knows a ton of people. And I, he's a professional. He acts professional. And the funny part about the other one is young, upcoming, and he's just got, it, the funny part is, I was going to say, you remember what the first thing I wanted from, uh, the, if I was a manager, what I would be looking for in an artist, what was that word, you remember? Drive. There you go. Drive and ambition. This young guy's got a lot of ambition. He's intelligent. He's working hard. And even though he's not known and well-known and all those kinds of things, he, he, I think he's going to do very well at it. His mind is in the right place. And he's willing to admit he doesn't know everything. And he's working with me together. He doesn't have an ego problem. He and the artist both together work with me. And, you know, I'm the legal beagle. I'm the, the back end and just guiding and stuff like that because of my long-term <laughs> knowledge and stuff like that. But it's great seeing these people, which reminds me, I got to bring up another point. I had said to you, you know, back in the old days, it was different where the uh, manager, you know, you could be a manager until 2004, they wanted a real highfalutin manager. But here you are a new artist and you run into this young, ambitious person that's really doing their job with you and stuff like that. And they can maybe take you to a certain level. Now, if you make it independent, fine. It might just work from there. But let's say an artist wants to go with the major label and the manager is not going to be allowed to be the manager. If you look at it the way I was telling you from 2004, they want one of these big major managers gets on the phone and say, hey, I want this person in this movie, uh, you know, and that kinds of stuff like that. 
but there is another way of handling it. And actually you'll find it. I wrote an article on it. It's in the free library on professorfoods.com. It's called an artist and a manager looking for a label. Now, the thing is what happens if the major label says, you're now going to need this super manager and that's who's going to be your manager. And you're saying, uh, wait a minute. I want somebody I know and trust to be my manager. Now, how do you solve this? It's called the compromise. And what I've come up with, and it works usually, yes, there will be a level at a time when you need one of those super managers that knows everybody and everybody's on the roller deck, you know, it's the old wave term for speed, speed dial or whatever, which is, I like it better with speed dial nowadays. But they can get to everybody. But the same point, if I'm an artist, you see these major management companies are like major labels. They got all these artists and you don't want to be left behind. But we had talked about that. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing, actually. Like I've I've heard both sides of the coin, right? Like I've heard that, you know, major labels are really good at taking something that's already like doing great or doing good and and bring it to that next level and make it become that commercial success. But I've also heard on the other side that they're not necessarily good at being able to choose or decide what is supposed to be done for a particular artist. So you may be searching your whole career to go to the label to have them give you the answer of how to be marketed and how you should present yourself and yada yada. And they might not even have an answer for you because at the end of the day, they're human beings too. And not, and it's, it, not everything, not every problem can be solved. You know, Well, that's why you talk to these management companies. My thing is always when people say, should I talk to this person? I talk never hurts. Just never shake hands to anything and don't agree to anything until you talk to your attorney, your manager, whatever the situation is. So let's solve this problem of where the, the artist wants their personal personal manager because they want somebody they already know and it's not, they're not gonna get lost in this large management company where the manager is saying, oh, well, you're gonna have to wait a while. We're working on this other artist and stuff. That's what happened to, by the way, um, to artists that were, I mentioned it before with the, Garth Brooks, the, uh, and this is in the 90s, and he was with this label. And what happened was, all of a sudden, Garth Brooks was taken off, and all the promotion people from that label put down everything and everybody they were working with and jumped to Garth Brooks. So all of a sudden, you're sitting there doing nothing. Well, you don't want the same thing with the management company. So here's how you can solve it. The artist wants a personal, personal manager, and the major management company says, we're going to take care of her. And what I say first to the major management, look, you don't want to deal with every little personal thing with the artist. I mean, you know, making sure this and that and stuff, the small stuff, you know, you don't want to have to deal with all that. So why don't you and the personal, personal manager make a deal? What it usually comes up to is the little guy may get 5% and the big, the management company to handle the big stuff will get 15%. But if you think about it, if you're a, an artist, a manager coming up, there's two ways to look at this. 
And one thing is you only get 5%, but meanwhile, these people are out there with the big guys. You're going to make is way more with that 5% than you were making with the 20, full 20%, you know, when the artist wasn't known. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually funny. Like uh, the one thing that I, I heard one time that I just stuck with me is like 5% of something is better than 100% of nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I always forget yeah, 10% of something's worth way more than 100% of nothing. Yeah, and this is something I must make very clear to people. This comes up a lot. And with artists, whomever, with, basically artists, this happens a lot with, and songwriters. You know, somebody wants to have three quarters of the publishing, or somebody wants to have 20% for management, by the way, which is a normal amount for management, 20%, but it's of the gross. It's the only part where they take it from the gross off the top, okay? The artist has to understand, you could be the most creative, most talented person, the way I taught in the previous show, most creative, talented person, but if nobody ever heard of you, you know, it doesn't matter. And it's the same thing with, as an artist, you could be the most talented, creative artist, but if somebody is not going to be able to make any money working with you, why should they work with you? They're yeah. going to work with people, you know. Yeah. And that, that sense of entitlement is really could be a dangerous thing for your career because uh, a lot of people walk around and they make music. And I know people have made music for 20 years that never want that were never able to get to that point that they wanted to. But they were all they also felt that because of the work that they put in that everybody owed them something instead of working for what they wanted, you know? Nobody owes anybody anything. You got to keep working at it. It takes effort. I said it many times that the people I work with, if they, put, if they have the talent, of course, you, you can't, you need the talent. But if you, the people that put the effort into it are making money. If they didn't put the effort into it, they're not making any money. It's that simple. It does take effort. And artists have to do way more than they used to, not just learn their songs, but deal with their fans, which we've been through several times and stuff like this. But yeah, my thing is, yeah, you got to give up something to get something. Uh, a great example of that is artists and say, oh, I don't want to do commercial songs and stuff like that. I don't want to give in to this and stuff like that. And I can tell you some very big hit artists and they found the happy medium of solving the problem for everybody. What they did was they did enough, by the way, songs can be commercial, you know, popular and have integrity, you know, with lines and words worth repeating and things like that. But, a you know, uh, the record company wants their hits and the artists want to do what they want to do. But, if you give in a little bit that it's got the integrity, but still commercial and stuff like that, there are major artists. I'm going to think of God, Joan Baez has admitted to it. Many big artists through the years have admitted to it. They'll give the record company what they want and they make tons of money and stuff because the company's really pushing it and all this stuff and the people love it and stuff. And then they have enough money. Okay, they do the stuff they want to do their style they might be a little more out there and stuff and then when they see their money is going low they do another commercial album a lot of artists have done this but see by giving it a little bit 
to the record company, and you then have the power to be able to get your stuff that you want out there, out there. Yeah, they, <laughs> they give you more control because they trust that their investment will will come back, you know, and that's a major thing is when you're working in the in the business, it's it's the people treat it as a business. Songs are products, artists are products. So it's like you have to you have to give you have to give to to take a little bit. You know, you have to you have to have a compromise in that sense because the whole point is that they want to make money off of the artist and the and the songs and all that stuff. So if you give them a, a few hit songs every year, they'll let you do whatever you want. But if you're not putting out any hit songs at all, you people forget that they can get dropped from the label and all the money that they, the advance and everything that they had goes bye-byes. Well, I'm just thinking of uh, back with the uh, even it's it was really noticeable, believe it or not, with the Beatles. Do you think the Beatles could have started out with something experimental and psychedelic like Sgt. Pepper's? Oh, no way. They had to start out with, I want to hold your hand, but they did it well, <laughs> okay? But no record company's going to let you do and give you tons of money to push you and stuff and let you do what you want unless you've proven yourself. Of course, there's an answer to solve that problem. Get out there. And that's why I tell people, you know, no matter whether you want to stay independent, go with the major or in between with an independent label, make it on your own first so you can keep control. Then at that point, when you're already doing well with investors or with just a lot of work and stuff like that, you could say to the major, we're using my songs because you'll see if you start out <laughs> with the major label contracts about 80 pages well last one i saw was about 80 pages i'm not going to name the company but uh what happens is with those if you're well known already it's going to be about 20 pages they're going to stop nickel and diming you to death because <laughs> it's going to say in any beginning uh we picked the songs we picked the producer we picked this you know, you lose all creative control. If creative control is really important to you, you got to make it on your own. It's as simple as that. If you want 100% of control, then you've got to put in 100% of the effort. Yeah, and that's the thing. is like What you put in is what you get out. So it's very important to keep that in mind when you're, when you're going out in, into the public eye and stuff. You know, you got to make sure that you're giving... A, nobody can put... Like, nobody can put the effort in there for you or do the work for you. You have to do it yourself. And then when you do enough work and you put in enough time and dedicate enough time, then that's when the managers and everybody start coming around and say, oh, hey, we, hey, Johnny, we see you're doing this, you're doing that. Oh, you're doing this. Okay, cool. We want to be part of it, you know? But I could be sitting here with the world's greatest song. And if I'm not out here trying to represent that properly and, and get myself out there by building my own fan base, then nobody's well, going to build that for me. And what's happened if you're out there and stuff like that, and you're getting a buzz, these big people are going to hear you. They're going to hear it. You know, you know, Hey, did you hear about this person? You should check this out. Yeah. And even the stuff, I think we mentioned it one time before on uh, or one of the earlier shows is that people don't realize even this, this, like the DSPs, the, the, all the streaming platforms now, like one of my buddies actually got found on SoundCloud because he was listening to a major artist and he was he was vibing out and then the next recommended song was my friend 
And it was like, oh my God, this person, he got picked up and he became a huge success and he's still doing amazing things. And that was all by happenstance, but he was, he was releasing music often and he had very quality music. Yeah. Persistence. Uh, one of my clients is doing very well right now with the major label and stuff like that. He got noticed by doing a cover song and there was three of them at the time, a cover song that, but the person that he covered, a major artist, heard it and liked it and helped them out. You never know. You never, you know. never so know. But that's being persistent, you know, getting your stuff out there. Now, they ended up just with him and they didn't take the other two people. Yeah. And here's another piece of advice I can give people being that I've been in the industry for a, a quite some time now. But you cannot live. You cannot you cannot go around like you're going to live forever. Like these songs are going to be, to be hurt. Like you need to release the music. You can't just sit there and hold on to it forever. Like they're your prized possession because they are meant to be heard. And you can't be sitting here acting like you're going to live forever because we all know that things Nobody happen. You know? lives forever, okay. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I mean, I've even been, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I've even realized that I'm like, I've been sitting on so much music. I'm like, I'm acting like I'm going to live a hundred million years. Like I only have so many, so much time in my life. So I have to take advantage of what I have now instead of w hoping and wishing that I'm going to do whatever. In well, the hoping and wishing don't do any good. Yeah. The, putting the effort into it does do you good. Yeah. I, there's no use. The way I put it basically is I look at songs, let's say, cause I'm a songwriter. It's one of the things I love to do. And as a songwriter, I, I look at songwriters like they're my children. And I've gone through children growing up and off on their own. Well, that's where I look at songs. There's a time to, to get them out of my brain or off my computer, or off my decks or, or whatever, you know. And there's a time to let them go out on their own and, you know, and entertain people or whatever like that. Yes, they're still my children. I'm still protecting them and helping them, but they're out there. What good is it sitting in my head? Even if it if it makes one or two or three people happy, I've done something with the song where if it's in my head, okay, it's kind of cool. You know, I like the song or whatever, but yeah, you gotta get out there. That's the that's the only way to be heard. So you sitting on these songs, I mean I'm. I will. I will say this. Like, I'm definitely for building catalogs. I feel that, especially nowadays, they're super, super important. Like, if you want to, if you want to become an artist and that type of stuff, or even a producer, like, you need a back catalog of stuff that you can show people. Because if you show them your three best songs and then you have nothing else but after that, then you're gonna be, you're gonna be in a particular situation that you're not really gonna be a fan of because you're gonna have to start rushing the work that you're doing. So. I believe in having catalogs, but at the same time, you you want to release that music. You, you yeah, want to release the songs to the catalog so people hear it that they'll even want your catalog yeah. or any of the songs. You know, it's like they hear one of your songs and they'll say, hey, let me hear a couple more of your songs. That happens a lot, by the way. If they hear like one song, they say, oh, is this person, they're thinking, is this a person one-hit wonder? Maybe they're just a really good writer. Yeah. Now, no. What I want to bring up here is something else for the artist to think about that is nowadays true that never existed. Before you had the manager, you had the publisher, you had the record label, you know, that and that, you know, this and that and all that. Nowadays, you might run into a manager 
who's also an attorney, who's also a publisher, who's also a record company. Now the question is, do you want to sign with all these companies that this one person has? Now let's look at it from a couple standpoints. Does this person actually have the knowledge <laughs> to run each of these companies and stuff like that? That's one thing to think about. But second of all, how do you trust them? If your manager is your attorney, <laughs> where's how, the checks and balances? How do you find the protection from your manager when, <laughs> like, how do you talk when to your manager? Your manager is your attorney. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know. That doesn't work, and it, it's going to be a sticky situation. I can already, I can already tell right off the bat because each, each one of those. I mean, the personalities clash at times. You know, not everything goes smoothly. So, uh, you, you, if you if you have to talk to your attorney about your manager and they're the same person, then <laughs> you know, uh, there's an answer to there's an answer to every such kind of situation by using creativity. One, at least for the contract with the manager. Have your own independent attorney. A lot of times I'm in the middle between an artist and a manager, and they both, when we just work out things, what I'll say to them is, no matter which side hi hires me, I'll say, you are each eligible to have an independent attorney check it out. Because let's say a manager, I'm working with an artist and they get a manager. Well, then I might end up representing both of them at some point in time, representing the artist, but through the manager and stuff like that. These kinds of things come up. But let's put it, let's go back to the three-step thing. My thing is form your own label, form your own publishing company, and deal from strength and say, okay, you be the manager. Now, there's a funny part about this. Let's say the manager says, all right, you have your publishing company, you have your record company, but of course, as manager, I'm managing everything. If you think of it from a manager's standpoint of view, let's say you're a publisher and you get all the publishing, we'll just say for argument's sake, and the person gets all the songwriting, it's 50-50. The record company, the, the artist, let's say just it's just digital, we'll forget about vinyl and stuff. It's 50-50 split is what it should be. Now, the interesting part to think about if you're the manager is, at that point, it's 50% of the net. Now, what net means, and we'll get into, you know, percent of what, you know, what net means is after the bills are paid, then you get your 50% with the publishing company. After bills are paid, then the manager gets a 50%. But if you're the manager and that's all you're doing, that's 20% of the gross, which could be worth way more than 50, you know, depending, you know, how long it lasts or whatever. It could be, it make more sense to get 20% of the gross, you know, and, you know, instead of 50%, okay? Yeah. Now, by the way, the way I solve it also and people have to, you know, have to realize with contracts, you can add parts to even the regular contract. And one of the kinds of parts you can add is known as a rider. Now, what I always put in a rider, let's say if the manager has a publishing company and splitting publishing with the artist, has a record company, maybe splitting the money with the artist, 
what I say in the rider is the manager cannot, it's what is known as double dipping. You can't take 20% of the gross and 20% of what the, uh, the artist is getting from the publishing company from publishing because you're already getting half the publishing if you have both, you know, both halves of the public. You can't double dip. You can't, if the artist has a share of the record company ownership. Now you can take it from the artist royalties and the songwriter royalties, but you can't take it from the publishing royalties, get 50% of that, and then say you're going to take 20% of their 50% of the publishing. It's just not fair. It's called double dipping. And I always put a clause in there and stuff. It's probably oh, not illegal, honestly, because that's, that's not. No, it, it kind of is. Yeah, we covered One more that. thing I want to stick in at least, because like we're probably running really short on time. But uh, one thing I want to stick in is something else I put in a rider. Because like the artists, and they'll have a good point. Let's say there's a band. Or even if it's a rapper with a, you know, with a featured artist, whatever they have that's going on stage. Let's say this artist is getting, I'm making up numbers, but $250 for the show. Now, folks, if the manager takes 20% of that 250, that's $50 right off. And meanwhile, the artist has got his split, their share with the other people on stage and stuff, plus possibly pay for uh, engineer, possibly play for rental equipment, possibly play for lighting, you know, whatever. Hi, that's just, whoa, folks. So what I use is to solve this problem is a sliding scale. And to me, it's an incentive for a manager to work with the agents, whomever is getting the gigs or stuff, to get bigger and bigger gigs. And what I'll do is, okay, artist, if it's just 250, zero to 250, the manager might take two or 3% instead of their 20% of the gross. But if it's between 250, I'm making up numbers, but give you ideas. Between 250 and $500, they get 5%. If it's between $500 and 1,000, the manager will get 15%. And if it's above that, they'll get 20%. So it, there's an incentive there. I believe in incentives and kinds of things like that. Because otherwise, I mean, how, the artists would be losing money every gig in the beginning. You're not going to start out at the top making thousands and thousands to go on stage. Yeah. Uh, you need money to pay for the, the drummer needs sticks. The guitar player needs strings. <laughs> I mean, folks, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of different things, but you got to keep an eye on everything. But yeah, we covered a lot today. Uh, managers are playing an important role for artists. Artists, um, the, this whole show was really about showing the artists what they should be looking for in a manager because you can't just entrust anybody that says that they have the qualifications that are necessary to become a manager for you and you have to be able to know the things that a manager is supposed to do to be able to choose the right manager to begin with so it all comes full circle but um like we always say you know go back listen to all the stuff make sure that you it becomes like a, a daily routine for you because 
even listening to the podcast 10 minutes every single day and the next six months will add up and and all accrue together to to as a positive force on your life is you want to get the whole picture okay there's just one more thing i'd like to add and then we'll get out of here because we're really running late on this show and that is I run into this situation and artists have to understand something because a lot of artists don't like to sign contracts and I'm, we've been through this before and stuff. But folks, if you're a manager and you want to be a manager and the artist has to understand this, the manager has to have the legal right to represent you. I'm going to give an example. Let's say there's no contract between the artist and the manager and the manager gets you what they think is a great deal with Sony records or some major or something like that. And then you go back to the artist as manager and say, Hey, I got you a major thing with Sony. And, and they say, Oh, I don't want to go with Sony. Now <laughs> we got a very major problem here. And the funny part is, or the sad part, whatever you want to look at it as the artist is not going to get blamed for this. The manager is. Nobody will ever talk to that manager again. Word travels from one label to the other because they've all worked for every label. It, it, since the beginning of time with labels, they bounced around and they worked together. Off, it gets really weird. But you, you, the manager needs to have the legal right to represent the artist. And that's one of the major things that's we talked about the power of attorney and stuff like that. That's part of it. But also it allows the manager to use your photographs and your image likeness and your recordings and all that kinds of stuff. It's just very important. And the artist has to understand that no manager legally should manage you without some kind of paperwork. Yes, in the very beginning on small little stuff to show they actually know anything about what they're talking about. But it is, a contract's important for both sides. It lets each side know what the other is supposed to do and what they're supposed to do. And it should solve a lot of problems. So realizing that we've run over time, I'm sure, I'm just going to say, <laughs> Tune in for the next episode, people. Take care. All right. See you guys. And don't forget, uh, we just want to thank you guys again for liking, sharing, subscribing to our podcast. Continue to spread the good word because we all we want to do is help everybody in the music industry, the people that want to get into the music industry, and uh, all, be able to provide as much education and um, help as we can. So thank you again, and stay tuned for the next episode. Yep, yep, yep. Thanks for watching. Tune in for the next episode.